Lawmakers reach a preliminary deal on raising the debt ceiling that allows clawbacks of COVID-19 funding but removes Medicaid work requirements. Postpartum individuals on Medicaid could potentially lose coverage during redeterminations. And physician pay increased last year but has not kept pace with inflation. It's Wednesday, May 31st. I'm Jay Carlisle Larson, and this is Just Healthcare Daily, where you get the headlines and health business and policy news in 10 minutes or less. Congressional Republicans and the White House struck a deal on a bill over the weekend that would raise the debt ceiling and includes some key health care related issues. The 99-page agreement was released on Sunday. Among the biggest wins for Democratic lawmakers is that work requirements for Medicaid beneficiaries have been stripped out of the bill. Originally, Republican lawmakers had included a provision that would have mandated that certain Medicaid recipients between the ages of 18 and 55 work 80 hours per month or engage in other approved activities like job training or community service to maintain eligibility. A recent analysis from KFF using data from the nonpartisan Congressional Budget Office found that 1.7 million enrollees could have lost coverage if those work requirements went into effect. KFF researchers previously found that more than 90 percent of non-senior Medicaid enrollees who are not on supplemental security income or covered by Medicare are either currently working or face barriers to work. Moreover, work requirements would be expensive to implement. A 2019 report from the Government Accountability Office found that enforcing and monitoring work requirements would be costly, ranging from $6 million to $271 million in additional spending. However, while Medicaid work requirements are off the table, other safety net programs could see similar requirements if passed. Some people who qualify for the Supplemental Nutrition Assistance Program, or SNAP, also known as food stamps, could be required to work a certain number of hours per month in order to maintain that benefit. The compromise also claws back around $30 billion in unspent COVID-19 funding from dozens of programs under the National Institutes of Health, the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, and other agencies. However, around $5 billion was set aside to fund the Biden administration's Project NextGen, which ramps up development for new COVID-19 vaccines and treatments. Whether the debt ceiling bill ultimately passes in Congress is unclear. The biggest challenge currently comes from Republican lawmakers on Capitol Hill, including members of the ultra-conservative House Freedom Caucus, who have said that they will not support the bill in its current form, arguing that it does not cut spending enough. However, Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer advised Democratic senators to expect to vote on the bill by Friday or the weekend. If the debt ceiling is not raised by congressional lawmakers, the United States government faces the possibility of a default on its debt. If that were to happen, it would affect the government's credit rating and have a severe negative impact on the financial markets. Medicaid beneficiaries who have recently given birth could face a loss of their health insurance coverage as states begin the redetermination process, according to new analysis from KFF. 
During the pandemic, states were required to keep people continuously enrolled in Medicaid. Though originally tied to the end of the public health emergency declaration, at the end of 2022, Congress moved to let states begin the redetermination process on April 1st. For enrollees who have recently given birth, the federal government mandates that they be allowed to remain on Medicaid for 60 days postpartum. However, a provision in the American Rescue Plan Act of 2021 allows states to extend the mandated 60-day period to 12 months. So far, 33 states and the District of Columbia have implemented this postpartum coverage extension and another five states plan to. Four states, including Alaska and New Hampshire, have legislation pending to seek federal approval through a state plan amendment or a Section 1115 waiver. And three states, including Texas, Utah, and Wisconsin, have proposed a more limited extension. But because some states have not moved to extend this coverage, postpartum individuals could theoretically lose their health insurance coverage if they are deemed no longer eligible for Medicaid. Also, some could potentially make too much to qualify for Medicaid, but not enough to qualify for subsidies for coverage on the ACA exchanges. According to pre-pandemic estimates, nearly half of formerly pregnant people covered by Medicaid or CHIP became uninsured after the 60-day postpartum coverage period ended. Medicaid covers around 42% of all births in the United States, and 53% of pregnancy-related deaths occurred between a week and a year postpartum, according to the CDC. Physician pay rose last year but did not keep up with inflation. According to the Medical Group Management Associations, or MGMA's, 34th Annual Data Dive Provider Compensation Report. The report, released last Thursday, includes data from close to 190,000 physicians and more than 6,800 organizations. The data show that the median primary care physician total compensation rose 4.41% in 2022. That was around double the increase in 2021, which was 2.13%. However, MGMA noted that inflation put a damper on the realized impact of that increase, as the consumer price index rose 6.5% between December 2021 and December 2022. Compensation for family medicine physicians, excluding those in obstetrics, increased by nearly 11%, while urgent care physicians saw a much smaller increase at 0.13%. Though primary care physicians saw the most significant increase in pay compared to surgical and non-surgical specialists, they're still the lowest paid across all providers. MGMA's report also finds that staffing remains one of the most significant pain points for the industry. 56% of physician respondents said that staffing is their biggest productivity roadblock. This is Just Healthcare Daily. I'm Jay Carlisle Larson. Thank you so much for listening. If you like the show, please leave us a rating or a review. It helps other listeners find the program. You can check out more insights on healthcare business and policy news at justhealthcare.com. You can also get these insights emailed directly to your inbox when you subscribe to our newsletter, The Weekly Gist. The GIST Healthcare podcast is an independent production of GIST Healthcare, a Kaufman Hall company.